just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. There's a lot of things going on out there. You may recall a while back I said, now that we're in the home stretch leading up to the November 2022 midterm elections, we've got all these investigations, the insurrection, we've got New York, we've got Georgia, we've got D.C., we're going to probably be hearing some new information or tidbits or decisions by court cases just about every day in the run-up to the November 2022 elections. I mean, that's got to be the game plan here. They're having trouble passing things, meaning the Democrats. So what I've said and what they're probably thinking is, well, at the very least, we've got to dismantle the Republican Party. They've got a lot of problems. There are a lot of things that are going to come to light. So when we're dealing with the House Select Committee, up until the time they start having the televised hearings, they're going to let little tidbits of information out. And every time they throw out a subpoena, they throw out more tidbits of information. We'll be talking about that in a little bit. Before we get started on the news events, I want to address a couple uh, of people that reached out to me here on the podcast. I've got one with an email, and one with a voicemail. Let's go with the voicemail first. Here is Andre. Uh, good morning, Mr. Mike. My name is Andre Moura. Uh, I'm from Florida, but I'm from Brazil. I'm living over here in the U.S. for more than 20 years. And uh, I, listen, I listen to your podcast every day, podcast every day. And I have to say to you, um, I really appreciate everything you've done for us. All the information, uh, I learned a lot. Before, I, I think myself, I'm a Republican, but I changed after I started listening to your podcast. I can't be a Republican anymore. And I really appreciate for everything you, you do for us. Okay, I'm sorry about my English. My English is not 100%, but uh, I try. Okay, have a good day. Thank you one more time for everything. All right. Thank you very much, Andre. I appreciate the kind words. I appreciate you listening. Uh, don't worry about your accent. We are a full accent service podcast. We don't mind immigrants. That's the other side. But that was the interesting thing. Did you catch that in that voicemail? He said he considered himself a Republican until he started listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Now he feels more like a Democrat. He didn't really say that. He said, there's no way I could be a Republican after listening to your podcast. Now, I get a lot of people in my family and friends say, you're doing these TikToks, you're doing the podcast. What good are you doing? Well, I think there's a lot of good to be done in in the things I'm doing. But if we need something specific, well, I converted one Republican into thinking normally. And Andre, I appreciate you noticing what we're talking about here, listening to it, and taking it for what it's worth. And uh, if you're one person that's left the Republican side, God bless you. Thank you very much. 
And now I have to wonder, maybe I should start a cult or some shit. People are converting. (laughs) No, I don't need to do a cult. As I've said before, in this situation with the podcast and the TikToks, I'm not looking to be a leader. I'm not looking for followers. I'm looking to find people with a similar mindset to mine and bring us together and hopefully give us some power, a voice, and maybe, hopefully, at some point, do some good in this country. So, Andre, again, thanks for reaching out and making the call, leaving the voicemail. Thank you for the kind words, and thank you for converting to the normal side of the street. All right, I got this email. This one's coming from a gentleman by the name of Jeff. Hi, Mike. Just wanted to tell you how much I enjoy your podcast. You, along with my morning coffee, are a must. Just wanted your thoughts on a couple of things. Number one, term limits for Congress, Senate, and the Supreme Court justices. No more than two terms for Congress and Senate, length of terms to be discussed. Supreme Court justices, one term, 15 years. I have heard that the majority of the public is in favor of this. Do you agree? And if so, how do you get that changed? All right, I'll answer that one first. There's one more. Well, I think they're all good ideas. I think term limits would be a boon to our governmental system. And every time I talk to somebody who's upset about the way things are going in government, they say all the same things. They say, we need term limits. And so I agree, we do need term limits. Unfortunately, at this point, the way things are, you'll never see term limits. You just won't see term limits. And it's not because I'm being negative about it. I'm being practical. You see, the problem with setting term limits for the Senate or the House um, and ultimately the Supreme Court, that has to be decided on and enacted on by the Senate. So we need the people who are going to be restricted to make the decision to restrict themselves. Now, you see what I'm saying here. That's not ever going to happen. Uh, These fucking people only do things to benefit themselves. They're not going to do anything to limit their time. You know, when this was first started, this country, these terms in government were basically doing service for the country. It wasn't intended for these to be lifetime careers. You know, back in the early days of this country, you might have been a farmer, a shoemaker, or whatever you were, and you would leave your business and pay service to this country by being a congressman, a senator, whatever. Well, when people realized that that could be lucrative, that they could exercise their power and turn that into money, well, then people would settle in in their positions and say, yeah, I don't want to go anywhere. Why would I want to go cobble shoes when I can sit here and be important, make all kinds of money? So you see, your idea is a good one. It's a very good one. But unfortunately, we have the fox guarding the chicken house. Chicken, what do they call it? Uh, Chicken coop. See, that's the thing. And that's the messed up thing about our government. If we want to police our Senate 
or our House of Representatives, we can't because they police themselves and they aren't going to do anything that takes away from their power or money or, or responsibilities. That's the problem. Now, what do we do about that? I, I don't know. Um, the only thing we can do is change the culture, and unfortunately, you can't do that very quickly. We could make it a point, as the Gen Xers and the Millennials end up becoming our leaders, if we somehow pressured the situation where they would have to accept those terms in order to be elected. Now, that's possible. I don't know how exactly. But it's funny. You know, you you get a new person going into the Senate or into the House of Representatives, and they seem very altruistic. You know, I'm going to do all the good things. I'm going to take care of my people. But somehow... When they get in the job, they realize, wow, I got shit dicked. I'm going to do what I want to do for myself. And if I can benefit my constituency, that's cool. But first, let's take care of me. It seems like they all fall into it. Now, there are some that are better than others. There's no question about it. But don't think for a minute that they aren't all benefiting from some perk or some privilege that they get because they are holding a position of the Senate or the House of Representatives or even the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court I'm particularly concerned about, and I do like the idea of having terms there. And that one might be a possibility. Maybe the House and Senate would look at that. The reason I have a problem with it is, is when you put somebody in the Supreme Court, it's a lifetime job. They don't even have to run for election anymore. These people can get old and decrepit and not know what they're doing, and they're still there till they quit. Or some changes happen in their lives, and uh, they start thinking differently or wrongly. But they got this job for life. There should be some limitations in the Supreme Court. We need to flush some of these old people out and bring in new minds. See, here's the problem. We've got all these boomers or older in the Supreme Court. And when we boomers are off to the side and the Gen Xers and the millennials take over, we've got people that aren't even close in demographic to the people they're working for. The whole ideology and the whole perception of this world and this country is different with the constituents than these old fucks in the Supreme Court. I mean, if you're going to have somebody represent you, wouldn't you like them to be something similar to you, have the same concepts about what's going on in the country, maybe the same ideas? But instead, you've got somebody like the idiot from Iowa, Grassley. He's like 150 years old, and he's representing kids in their 20s, 30s, 40s, even their 50s. This guy's elderly. He can't even stay awake, but he's representing you because he's been there forever. He's got a lock on the job. So my answer is I agree with you wholeheartedly. I just don't see how it's going to happen. We're going to have to make some major changes in our government if we ever hope to get term limits. All right, number two, two things that I believe put the country on a bad or worse path was the Citizens United decision and super PACs. Way too much money in politics. 
What can be done about that? I have more questions for you, but we can save them for another day. Thanks for your voice. Keep up the good work. Regards, Jeff. Well, you're absolutely right. The biggest problem in our government is money. The people that have most the money now have the control in our government. And that could be fixed, too. I've often thought about this. But again, we get back to that same situation where we've got the Senate and the House policing themselves. There's no outside authority saying you've got to do this or you should be doing this. And that's where the problem lies. When these people have to decide, hey, let's cut off our money. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Sometimes I think what should happen in order to make it fair. What I always thought was unfair, you have two candidates. One has way more money, maybe because they're an incumbent or they're tied to all these rich organizations. They have a better chance of winning because they have more money. So the the best candidate didn't necessarily win. It was just the richest candidate. And one of the things that I thought should be done And who knows, maybe it's something we could get to happen. I don't know. But for each level of government representative, say you've got the House, you've got the Senate, you've got the executive level, you've got uh, the president, what I think should be done is to Set it up so each candidate has the identical amount of money they can spend. And it doesn't have to be a crazy amount. Say you give them each $5 million to run for president. That's way lower than they spend. Hell, that's way lower than they spend in the Senate or in the House. But if you give everybody the same amount of money, then they have to work a little harder. They can't just count on the money. Each candidate would have the same amount of exposure. And then we could really look at these candidates and decide who is the best based on policies or who are the best people. Who do we like the best? Now, if we've got one candidate that's got a million dollars and another candidate that has a hundred million dollars, all you see is all this big candidate's Uh, propaganda everywhere. So when you go to the voting booth, you know that name. Now, if everybody had a level playing field, then maybe we could focus on who is the best candidate, who's going to do the best job for us. I mean, one of the things we had a problem with Donald Trump, but this has been a problem for a long time. It's, it's, It's about misleading the public. Anytime you see an ad for a political party or a political candidate, there's always a certain amount of hyperbole, even some lying. I'll tell you, when I was younger and I had a recording studio, I had occasion to produce and record a lot of political radio commercials. And most of them were pretty easy and they were pretty basic, so there was really no problem to it. But I had my share of candidates come in and record something that I knew was absolute bullshit. I got a chance to meet this candidate in person and sit and talk to him. And he was absolutely a dipshit. And I'm thinking to myself, all he's doing is giving him giving people the perception of who he is by this radio commercial, and I'm helping him by doing it well to look better than he really is. It's all a big smokescreen in uh, 
in politics these days. Otherwise, how does somebody like Ted Cruz get to be a U.S. senator? I mean, especially in Texas. He's such a wimp. He's such a weak-ass bitch. How does he end up being one of the two senators in Texas, of all place? I mean, Ted Cruz isn't even a Texas kind of guy. He's a wimpy guy. He's a backsliding, flip-flopping piece of shit. And that's totally contrary to what you would expect out of the state of Texas. Yet he's still the U.S. senator. So I agree with you. There's too much money in politics. There always has been too much money in politics. And it taints our politics and our government. It makes it less quality. I honestly believe that if we could put everybody on a level playing field, give everybody the same amount of money, and then say, okay, go out and work for it. Show us your best. You don't get to get a pass because you've got the money and you've got all the glitz and glamour and exposure. You've got to be who you say you're going to be, and you've got to prove it. We need to see these people in person more, maybe some live broadcast that aren't produced, the debates or what have you. Let people see who they are and give them several opportunities to see who they are so you can kind of relate to whoever it is you're voting and you can throw aside whoever you think is a dipshit. Now, Jeff, you've got a couple of uh, serious problems in our government these days. And unfortunately, because of the way our government is set up, it doesn't appear as though that there's really... uh, any way to fix that. And that's what's fucked up about it. I mean, as time goes on here and we watch what's going on with our current situation, I feel like there's going to be some dramatic changes in government. People are going to look at things very differently as more and more comes out about the Republican Party, about Donald Trump, and we see the kind of people that are representing us. It may change our mindsets and maybe change the whole dynamic with our government and our politicians. And as our politicians, our older politicians, die out, we get newer, younger politicians. And hopefully, hope, hope against hope that these people will be better people. And to be perfectly honest with you, they couldn't be worse fucking people. So maybe we'll be in for some luck. You know, that's the funny thing about all this situation with the voter suppression and trying to pass the voting rights law. Everybody's really upset about it because the voting rights bill didn't get passed, and they should be upset because it's going to do some damage to our election process. And the Republicans are looking at it this way. Old white men are dying off, so they're scrapping and scraping and trying to do anything they can to hold on to power. But I'm going to tell you something about this. You can't stop the old white men and old women Republican evangelicals. You can't stop them from dying off. You can't stop the Gen Xers and the millennials growing up, understanding what's going on in this country, and taking over the biggest demographic in voters. In fact, right now, Gen Xers are at a similar level to boomers. 
Now, boomers have a demographic as big as the millennials, but the boomers are getting older. They're dying off or they're not able to get out and vote because they're decrepit or elderly or whatever they are. So the Gen Xers are going to play a big role in upcoming elections, and so will the millennials. Now, if you ever met a Gen Xer or if you met a millennial, and I know them very well because I have two sons that are millennials, these are different kind of people than we're used to. They aren't boomers. They have a different sense about things. It's funny with millennials. You know, when you're growing up and you're a boomer, it's get married, have kids, buy a house, put a lot of money into the house so everybody knows you're successful. A lot of the millennials and some of the Gen Xers don't feel that way. They don't have to be so showy. They don't have to be so wrapped up in themselves. And a lot of boomers look at these people and say, I I just don't fucking understand them. But I do. Hopefully they've learned some lessons from the boomers. Because the boomers have made plenty of mistakes, and I'm a boomer, so I think I can say that without getting too much heat. But I kind of relate to the Gen Xers, even though I'm technically a boomer. To be a baby boomer, you have to be born between 1946 and 1964. I was born in 1960, so I'm at the far end, the young end of the boomers. So I knew, and I grew up with a lot of Gen Xers, so I can kind of relate to them. They're a weird group, but they're not a bad group, and they have a little better sensibilities to what's going on in this world than some of the older boomers. So as much as these old white Republicans are trying to hold on to power, eventually they won't be able to hold on anymore. The amount of Gen Xers, millennials, will take over all the powerful demographics in elections, and the old white people will fade away. And people have said to me, well, you're a boomer. What happens when boomers don't have any control anymore? Aren't you worried about that? Fuck no. I've been a boomer all my life. I've watched what's happened in this country for 61 years. I'm not real impressed with what we've done. I think at this point, I'd like to see some of the younger people take control, see what they can do. I mean, because the history is theirs. It's not mine. I have some future, um, but these people are the future. They're not only currently going to live longer than I am or the boomers are, they're going to have to live with the decisions they make. Now, these people shouldn't have to deliver uh, to live with the decisions boomers make, because clearly they're making some fucked up choices. These Gen Xers, millennials, and younger people should have an opportunity to set their future path. And the sooner that can happen, I think the better for this country. Boomers are kind of like the old quarterback in the NFL. He was good at one time. He threw some great passes, but he slowed down. He's not quite as good as he was. He's living on his reputation, but really doesn't have it on the field. And I'm feeling that's kind of what we've got now in our government. We've got a lot of older people. Now, there are some younger people in Congress and the Senate, uh, and they're fine. Some of them are good. Some of them really fucking bad, like, oh, I don't know, Josh Hawley. But There is going to be a switchover, and the 
control and the influence of the old white people is going away. They can scrape and scrap and grab and try to hold on to power as long as they can, but they can't beat death. And the boomers are going to go by the wayside, especially those older ones. And the Gen Xers and the millennials will fill in, and then we'll have a completely different society. Hopefully, it's better. But I'll be perfectly honest with you. We were hoping it would be better with us. But somehow, as I've said before, once they get into their positions, they lock down and they think, oh, this is cool. I can make a lot of money. I'm pretty fucking important. And that taints the whole thing. Hopefully that won't happen with Gen Xers. And it won't happen with uh, millennials and even the younger ones. I'm hoping for better things for this country. And if we're hoping for better things, we've got to put some hope into the younger people. And if the younger people can take control, the sooner the better, as far as I'm concerned. It's their future. Let them set their own destiny. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back. So for a while now, we've been hearing these stories about the swing states where Donald Trump lost and how some of these states created fake certificates of assertion and it was signed by fake electors who were electing Donald Trump. They were taking these certificates and sending them into the National Archives, hoping against hope that they would mix them up with the real electors where Biden won and they would slip it by him. Seemed like a stupid, very, not very well thought out situation that they were doing. But this shit has started to expand and become more insidious. First, there was a couple of states. Then there were like four states. Now there are seven states. All of these states are swing states where Donald Trump lost. And all of these states were sending in these fake documents. And what was weird about it was that many of these certificates were very similar, which in normal cases isn't true. Every state has kind of a different certificate. They all look different, but in these fake documents... A lot of them look similar. I mean, it looked like it was coordinated at some way. So when we heard that, then we had to think, well, wow, was this coordinated by somebody higher? Did somebody else start this whole thing? Maybe somebody in the White House? I mean, that's something to seriously consider. And the fact of the matter is <clears throat> we were on the right track. Because yesterday we found out that, in fact, there is one person who was connected to the White House um, that was coordinating this effort from the beginning. Rudy Giuliani. Doesn't Rudy have enough fucking problems by now? He's getting sued for $1.9 billion. The insurrection is looking at him. He's been disbarred. This poor fuck is just in bad shape. But now we find out that all these documents that were faked with fake electors was initiated and coordinated by Rudy Giuliani. No doubt at the direction of the Oval Office of Donald Trump. I mean, Rudy Giuliani 
was Donald Trump's trusted uh, advocate, and he is coordinating this. Now this little stupid story has all of a sudden become a very big story, as I said, kind of insidious, because this is a big deal. If you've got the White House, and they say Rudy Giuliani was involved, but also some other advisors from the White House were involved in this too. And this is all coming out of the uh, National Archives documents that were released the other day because the Supreme Court told Donnie Trump to fuck himself. Well, it's starting to come out and the pieces are coming together. Now, Michigan and I think New Mexico the attorneys general has referred those people that did these fake documents to the DOJ because this is fraud. This might even be sedition. So the DOJ has to look at these two states and decide if there was a crime. And if there were crimes, then uh, they'd have to prosecute it. Now, this kind of crime could be anywhere from five, six years up to 20 years. You got to wonder what these people who thought they were so smart signing off on these phony elector certificates, I wonder how they're feeling now. Oh, they thought they were heroes. But now the DOJ is going to look at them as seditionists, and they got all kinds of trouble. They didn't make any money from this. They thought they'd help Donald Trump, but now they're fucked. And these two states won't be the only states to refer them to the DOJ. They will all be referred to the DOJ. And the people that signed those uh, certificates and sent those certificates in will be looked at, investigated, and probably prosecuted. But that's not where it stops, see? Because now it looks like the White House was involved with coordinating it. So now you know what's going to happen. All these idiots that signed on as electors and all these people that put together these certificates are going to say, shit, I don't want to go to fucking jail or I don't want to go for that long. So what are they going to do? Well, you know what they're going to fucking do. They're going to uh, turn evidence on the Oval Office, the White House, Rudy Giuliani, and all the other advisors that were involved in this. And when we find out that this whole thing was coordinated by the White House, that's all just more trouble for Donald Trump. That is potentially sedition or treason. And that's just going to add to many other problems that Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump already have. But it's really showing us something. You know, when we thought about the insurrectionists just popping up at the U.S. Capitol, and it just happened by accident. But now we're seeing that in addition to that, and knowing that they were connected to Congress and the White House, and then we see this effort to forge documents in hopes of fooling these people and giving Donald Trump the election. This is a well-thought-out, obviously taken a long time to think about, I mean, this is, in fact, a fucking conspiracy, and a conspiracy that leads back to the White House. That's actually pretty big fucking news, and that spells trouble for those Trump administrators and uh, Trump himself and Rudy Giuliani and whoever else is involved. These little people that signed the documents and sent them off, they are going to be singing like songbirds. These aren't professional criminals. These are just dipshits that were manipulated by Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump. 
and they were dumb enough to fall for it. So now they might spend some time in jail, or they're going to turn over information on the White House and Rudy Giuliani. They'll probably still do some jail time, but it'll be far less than if they didn't turn state's evidence. This is a big problem for Rudy Giuliani. It's even a bigger problem for Donald Trump, and it says exactly what the Republicans were doing. It wasn't that a bunch of people showed up at the U.S. Capitol and decided to get violent. This was all planned out. The attack and now this forgery ring that was trying to fool the National Archives and our government and try to convince them that Donald Trump won the election when he didn't. This is going to be a big story as it opens up more and more as we find out more and more about it. So watch it closely. And this is not going to help Rudy Giuliani or Donald Trump any. They are going to be in some deep shit for just this. And there are multitudes of other things that they have to worry about at this point. You see, that's what's going on here. Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani, all these people involved are now getting barraged from all different angles with different crimes, different investigations. At some point, these people are going to lose their shit and do something even worse. So we need to watch for that. The House Select Committee wants to speak to Ivanka Trump. Now, what's funny about when they decide they are going to invite somebody to speak in front of the House Select Committee, it's very calculated what they do. Whenever they do this, they don't just say, hey, would you like to talk to us? They throw out some facts of things that this particular person might have been involved in. Uh, kind of exposing some of their crimes in addition to asking them to uh, testify. Now, with Ivanka, they lay out reasons for wanting to talk to her. First of all, she was in the room when Donald Trump was coercing Mike Pence to not certify the 2020 election. He was calling him a pussy. He was telling him he was a wimp, telling him he's got to do it. Mike says, I don't know how I can do it. And, And Donald Trump was pushing him, and he was mad. He was angry. He was screaming and yelling. And one interesting note, I saw a story about this, and I don't know all the words per se, but when a vice president certifies an election, the statement that they read is identical every time. And the person doing this story showed it all the way back to, I don't know, Ronald Reagan. And every vice president that stepped up read the same thing before they certified the election. It's a very ceremonial thing. It's a customary thing. It's not even legal necessarily because the vice president doesn't have a choice in the matter. But what was interesting, what this news story showed that when Mike Pence read that very same speech that all the other previous vice presidents read, there was some additional part to it. And that additional part essentially said that uh, he doesn't have to vote for secondary or fake 
documents that happened to be there. See, he was planning because he knew that these documents were being created, and he knew it was a possibility that they would end up in front of him when it came to the certification. So he's trying to cover his ass. He knows when he saw the fake ones because he knows Joe Biden won. But if one of those uh, documents from Trump came up, he didn't want to sign it because he knew he would be in deep shit. So he added that little segment to the speech. He is the only vice president to ever do that. He is the only vice president that had to do that because he knew that there might be some documents that weren't real sitting in front of him. Fortunately, Mike Pence was smart enough, or at least scared enough, to do what he was supposed to do, and he certified Joe Biden as the President of the United States. Now, in addition to that, uh, she allegedly spoke to one of the White House legal counsel, and this legal counsel advised her that what Donald Trump was doing on January 6th could be considered unconstitutional. Now, this is why they want to talk to her. If she was in in the room or involved in these conversations, she has some questions that could be answered that could be valuable to this country in trying to figure out what happened with the insurrection and how to try to avoid it next time around. And the last thing is she was a witness to what Donald Trump was doing during the insurrection. And what Donald Trump was doing during the insurrection was absolutely fucking nothing. He was sitting on his ass in a dining room or a living room or whatever. He was watching the insurrection on TV. He had TiVo, so if he saw something he really enjoyed, something really violent, he could rewind it and rewatch it. That's what this fuck was doing. Now, when Donald Trump became president of the United States, he took an oath, and in that oath, he swore to protect the Constitution. Now, what was going on on January 6th, these insurrectionists were trying to overturn uh, an election by interrupting the certification process, which is a constitutional process, and overthrow this government. Both these things are contrary to what our Constitution protects us from. So Donald Trump, while he took his oath and said he'd protect the Constitution, while this insurrection is going on, he's sitting on his ass, laughing with glee as he's watching these people fight for him, or at least they thought he thought that they were in his mind, and did nothing. <clears throat> so that is in violation of his oath. That in itself is a fucking crime. He wasn't true to his oath as president of the United States. Now, that's no surprise to we normal folks, but it may be something that the Republicans can see and we can prove and maybe start getting them to think more logically or truthfully. So with Ivanka Trump knowing all these things, she's obviously um, a good candidate to testify. Now, she may not testify, but here's what's going on. They want to talk to Ivanka. They've already talked to um, Eric, and all Eric did is plead the fifth 500 times. Now, I know he thinks that saves him, but it doesn't. When he gets the indictment, that pleading the fifth is going to do him no good. 
Now, the Attorney General of New York wants to talk to Ivanka. He already talked to Eric, wants to talk to Donald Trump Jr. See what's going on here? The family, just below Donald Trump, is getting hit from all sides, from the Attorney General in New York for the civil suit. Now, that same case is being looked into by the Manhattan District. They're going to be called in for that. And now we have the insurrection where they want to talk to Ivanka Trump. They want to talk to Eric Trump and Donald Trump Jr. And, of course, they're not going to come in. They don't necessarily need them to come in, but they need to call them out so people see how they react to it. They've interviewed 400-plus people, and they've got plenty of bombshells. They keep leaking little ones out every day, like I said they would. And they're going to continue to do that. So the, the Trump family is starting to feel the walls closing in. And Donald Trump has to be very fucking nervous because now that they're up to the kid level, the only person that's left is Donald Trump. And Donald Trump is going to be called out for the insurrection because he is the mastermind in chief and insurrectionist insider in chief. He is culpable for what happened on January 6th and apparently all these fake certifications that were sent, not to mention is meddling in the census as well. There's some investigations going on there. The walls are closing in on him and he's getting fucking nervous. And this is, you know, the people will say to me, well, what if he runs in 2024? You see what's going on now? All this shit, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse all the way through November 2022. By the time we get done with 2022, Donald Trump will be so turned upside down and fucking tied down, he won't even be able to think about running in 2024. Now, another story that's going on, and this ties to more shit for Donald Trump, um, more shit for Lindsey Graham, maybe Rudy Giuliani, Georgia District Attorney. Fonnie Willis has requested a special grand jury. Now, special grand jury is a little different than a grand jury. A grand jury, what it does is they set up, it's for two months, they go in, they present a case, and they decide if they're going to press charges. The grand jury decides that. A special grand jury in Georgia is a little different situation. It's more of an investigative type thing. Uh, Fonnie Willis has a lot of facts and information and evidence already, but she's got some other people she wants to talk to, including Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State of Georgia, who took the call from Donald Trump, which was a crime. Now, he's not willing to talk unless he gets a subpoena. And the reason for that is is because he's running for re-election and uh, he needs to go as close to the rules as he can because he's going to have enough trouble beating out the Trump fucking candidate. So he's just trying to protect himself. But when they get this special um, grand jury going, they will be able to send out subpoenas. 
and uh, they will go out to the people that they're maybe having trouble talking to. So that's why they're doing that. They'll do the investigation in addition to the special grand jury, and then when that's done, then they'll go to a grand jury and get a final decision on uh, indictments and who they're going to prosecute. And you can almost guarantee that Donald Trump is going to be prosecuted. This could be no more clearer crime that he's ever done. This may be the one slam dunk that is currently out there now, from the insurrection to the uh, New York uh, cases to this one in Georgia. He's on fucking audio tape committing a crime. Now, the one thing I always keep hearing, well, they got to decide what his intent was. Like, did he know? Was he just told by people that uh, there was was uh, election fraud and he just didn't know any better, that he was too stupid? Apparently, that will cut him some slack, and I don't understand that. Don't they tell us ignorance is not an excuse for the law? I mean, if I'm driving down the street and decide to run somebody over, does my intent really make a difference? The person I ran over is fucking dead, and I ran him over. If I was just a little angry as opposed to really angry, that would make a difference on whether I could be prosecuted? I don't think so. I think that's maybe a presidential thing, and I think we need to think twice about it. What he did was egregious and blatant and a crime. That's all we need to know. And Fonnie Willis does seem to be pretty dedicated to going after Donald Trump. She is the one person doing the most when it comes to grand juries and investigations and criminal investigations. So I have a lot of confidence in her, and I think she will do just fine. Now, the National Archives released all the documents that Donald Trump had been continually trying to hide You'll remember there's 700 documents there at the National Archives. Uh, they were to be released to the House Select Committee at their request to investigate the January 6th insurrection. Of course, Donald Trump wanted to slow it down, wanted to hide these things. He filed a lawsuit in federal court. He lost decidedly. He appealed it to the appellate court and got his ass handed to him. And then he repealed it to the Supreme Court. Now, Donnie, I'm sure, thinks, well, I appointed three of those Supreme Court justices. They owe me. I own them. They were nothing until I sent them out there. That's Donnie's thought process. And so he figured that uh, at the very least they would take it on as a court case and he would be able to delay this longer and maybe run the clock out. Well, as luck would turn out, they came back with a quick decision, a decision that I suggested to you before, and it seemed like the only logical decision because these court cases lost so resoundingly in the lower courts. The Supreme Court said, yeah, we're not even going to look at it. So Donnie's shit in his pants, and those documents are already coming. They've already got some of these documents, and the documents include um, daily presidential diaries, schedules, appointment info, including visitor logs to the White House, activity logs, call logs, and switchboard 
shift change checklist showing calls to the president and the vice president. There's speeches and handwritten notes from Mark Meadows from the president. There's all kinds of shit in this, and it's all in and around January 6th. So this is where people are going to be exposed. Donald Trump's going to be exposed. We talk about intent. Well, you'll be able to see the intent in those documents. And this is scaring the shit out of Donald Trump. He's very nervous about it because he clearly didn't want these released. Well, now they're released. I don't know if the House Select Committee has all of them, but they have a lot of them. And we know how much traction he they got out of, uh, out of the uh, documents handed over by uh, Mark Meadows. This is going to be vastly more important. Deeper information as to what happened on January 6th. And all that really means is that Mark Meadows, Rudy Giuliani, Lindsey Graham, Donald Trump are fucked. Because they can't stop it anymore. They were hoping against hope that they could run it through the courts and make it last for years. Turns out it was three months. One interesting point about the Supreme Court turning down this particular lawsuit. The vote on not hearing this lawsuit was eight to one. That's a pretty substantial majority for telling Donald to fuck off, even though he appointed three of the people that voted no against the, against him. But the interesting thing is that uh, the one dissenting vote came from, of all people, Clarence Thomas. You remember Clarence Thomas. Well, the reason it's interesting that Clarence Thomas was the one dissenting vote is because there is this female lawyer. She is a Republican or conservative activist, kind of a conspiracy theory nut. She was tied in in different ways into these insurrectionists coming to the U.S. Capitol. And her name is Ginny Thomas. Yep, that's right. Clarence Thomas's wife. Well, that's interesting, and it makes sense why Clarence Thomas wouldn't want those documents released, because I got a feeling that his wife's name, Jenny Thomas, given she was so deep with these insurrectionists, is going to show up in those documents. And if it shows she did something illegal, well, our Supreme Court justice will have a wife that's on trial for potentially sedition or treason. And who knows, maybe there's some connection with her and her husband. I mean, he is her husband. And if he did something that's outrageous, well, that would be fucked up, wouldn't it? Now, I have a fantasy. The idea of this actually happening is a big long shot, will never happen. But if I could live out a fantasy right now about this circumstance... I would love to see Jenny Thomas get busted for whatever criminal activity she did and then find out that Clarence Thomas, her husband, a Supreme Court justice, was involved somehow. And my fantasy would be that uh, Thomas would then be impeached and thrown off the court. Wouldn't that be fun? Get Clarence Thomas off the court. Now then, Joe Biden would have to appoint another justice. But who would he appoint? 
Now, again, this is just a fantasy. This isn't going to happen. But can you imagine this? What if Joe Biden appointed Anita Hill to Clarence Thomas' seat? Now, that would be justice. Now, you're probably saying, why would Joe Biden appoint Anita Hill? Well, if you remember when they were trying to approve uh, Clarence Thomas and they had these hearings with Anita Hill explaining how Clarence Thomas sexually abused and harassed her, Joe Biden was part of that deal. And actually, Joe Biden was kind of a dick to Anita Hill. So it sounds like Joe Biden owes her one. (laughs) Wouldn't that be ironic? Clarence Thomas gets kicked out on his ass. Joe Biden, feeling guilty and trying to redeem himself, appoints Anita Hill to Clarence Thomas's seat. Now, don't get excited. People will come to me and they'll say, that'll never happen. Yeah, I fucking know it won't happen. But wouldn't it be cool if it did? <laughs> it's, it's, it's my fantasy. And somebody said to me on TikTok, oh, that can never happen because of this and this. And I simply said, a boy can dream, can he? Are you going to take away my fucking dreams? (laughs) I just hope Jenny Thomas gets exposed for doing something here. And that's going to put a lot of pressure on Clarence Thomas. And it could even cause him to resign. Again, the likelihood of that is slim. He's got a lifetime job. And after taking all the heat for Anita Hill, this may be nothing for him. He's used to getting pounded and embarrassed. But he could very well get embarrassed. So a lot of things happening out there, things we got to stay on top of, because this next year, I keep saying it, I'll say it again, it's going to be a fucking sprint. Every day there'll be more new, different shit coming out about different people tied to the Republicans, tied to Donald Trump, tied to Congress. Every day little things are going to come out, and then we're going to get the televised hearings. And as Jamie Raskin said, that's going to blow the roof off the house. All right, we're going to wrap things up for yet another Rational Boomer podcast. want to thank those who left a voicemail and an email. If you want to do the same thing, you can send me an email directly at rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm, look for Rational Boomer podcast and leave a voicemail. You have a great day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.